Welcome to the book club that sure isn't your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. It's going well. Good. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata. And then later we'll chat about alphas versus betas. But first, mom, what have you been reading? What have I been reading? Well, first of all, I have to admit, it took me a little while to get into this book. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do a lot of reading because I was kind of dragging my feet getting into the book. Mm-hmm. And um, so really the only thing I've read this week, or this block of time, has been the book that we were, that we're talking the about. The Winnipeg and me. And, um, but I do have to say... I'm two weeks so- sober on my Winston obsession, so... <laughs> You're two weeks sober. <laughs> we're so proud of you, Mom, and, Thanks. Your, and your journey. I know. It, it is a journey. Although the new one just came out on audiobook, so... I know. Dang you it. Might have, you might end up getting your fix again. I know. <sighs> okay, so I have been reading enough for the both of us this week. Um... I read the sequel to Wall of Winnipeg after I read that one. So I read that book, which is about a friend of hers that's in the book. I won't say too much about that. But um, if anything, I might have enjoyed this one more than Wall of Winnipeg. It's called Wait For It. It's about her friend Diana. Um, The actual name of the book is Wait For It? Yep. You weren't just building it up to tell me... No. A spectacular name. It's, <laughs> it's Wait For It. It's called Wait For It. Um, okay. <laughs> and yeah, so I won't say too much about it, um, but I, I think I might have liked that one more than Winnipeg, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, I also read the Royally series by Emma Chase. Um, this is Royally Screwed, Royally Matched, and Royally Endowed. Um Mom will not be reading these books, at least not under my directive. (laughs) Um, Also, they uh, bring me to a point where on my Goodreads profile, most of my friends are people um, that I know through a certain religious university that I attended. Um, (laughs) And I wish that sometimes these covers were a little more subdued. Um, because I want to monitor my reading progress on Goodreads, but, um, I know that all of these people are seeing all these covers and just judging me harshly, but I also don't care. So whatever. But, um, I really liked that series. It was, it was pretty fun. It's about these princes. And then the third book is about a family member of one of the heroines. It was. It's pretty fun. I recommend that if you're looking for something a little saucier. Um, but like I said, mom won't be reading it. <laughs> well, now you've piqued my interest. <laughs> How the saucy thing is, are we talking? <laughs> so I need you guys to keep in mind when you recommend books to us. Just, just think about. Um, it's not that you know. I know mom knows that these things happen in the world of sex. <laughs> Um, but I want you to consider that I have to then read the book and know that she read it and she has to read the book and know that I read it. 
No, I say bring it on because I want Ellen to be super embarrassed when we talk about it. <laughs> Mom lives for that. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't get embarrassed. You get embarrassed talking about it with me. I know. Because it's weird. <laughs> anyway, um, and then I've also read, um, well, I should say reread uh, a book by Penny Reed called Kissing Tolstoy. <laughs> And I actually talked about this previously in a contemporary spotlight. Um, And it was previously called um, Nobody Looks Good in Leather Pants. And she was releasing it kind of bit by bit um, through her author newsletter. But she just released like a completed and expanded kind of version of it with an epilogue attached. And she has been um, all proceeds for it, I think just in the month of November are going to go to hurricane relief in Puerto Rico. And so far she's raised, I just saw her like most recent social media post about it. says they've raised like over $10,000, which is awesome. I mean, the book's only selling for like $3. So (laughs) that's, that's a lot of copies. So if you're kind of looking to support that cause and read kind of a fun book, um, that is, that is there. And that's kissing Tolstoy again. And then I just started a book called How to Tame a Beast in Seven Days by Carolyn Sparks. Um, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with paranormals. I think that, because if I read a good paranormal, I will love it. But if I read a paranormal that is just meh for me, I won't like it at all. (laughs) So um, I'm very, like, polarized, I should say, by paranormals. But... Um, I went to a reading recently with uh, where some authors did readings of their books, and Carolyn Sparks was there, and she did a reading from this book, and I was like, ah, that's kind of a fun premise. I should check it out. Um, so I will report back and let you know what I think of this. And maybe I was kind of reading it to see if um, this is a paranormal series that maybe we can get Mom to try. Um, <laughs> hey, I read Twilight. <laughs> That doesn't count. (laughs) Anyway, so did I tell you I've been reading or what? I've been reading. (laughs) You have been. Um, Been Okay, so today we're going to be talking about The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata. It's not listed as part of a series, but I think most of her books kind of seem to be somewhat loosely connected. There's characters that seem to pop up from other books as well. Uh... But anyway, the book cover, the back cover description for this one reads, uh, Vanessa Mazur knows she's doing the right thing. She shouldn't feel bad for quitting. Being an assistant housekeeper, fairy godmother to the top defensive end in the National Football Organization was always supposed to be temporary. She has plans and none of them include washing extra large underwear longer than necessary. But when Aiden Graves shows up at her door wanting her to come back, she's beyond shocked. For two years, the man known as the Wall of Winnipeg couldn't find it in him to tell her good morning or congratulate her on her birthday. Now he's asking for the unthinkable. What do you say to the man who is used to getting everything he wants? So, Mom, you've kind of already touched on it. It took you a little while to get into this, but where did you end up landing with this book? Well, first of all, I have to say I'm very excited to do this podcast because... Ellen and I try desperately not to talk too much about the book before we do the podcast so that we can 
have play off each, each other. other still. Yes. <laughs> and um, I've been dying to talk to you about this. And so I'm very, uh, I really want to get into this one with mm-hmm. you. And I've been wanting to for days. And uh, in fact, I didn't want to start another book because I wanted this one to still be fresh in my brain. Um, yes, I had a hard time getting into it. I didn't like him in the beginning, mm-hmm. and I felt it was kind of slow moving in the beginning, so I was really dragging my feet with the reading, and you know, I wasn't like gobbling it up. However, <laughs> the other night I went to bed, and I was at like 50% on the book, and I couldn't put it down. I was literally up almost the entire night finishing the book. Yeah, and this is a long book. It is so. a long book. It's like 680 pages or something. Yeah. Um, so that that ain't no chump change, especially mom's a very slow reader, so... I'm a very slow reader. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I think I kind of... Um, well, I texted mom when I... Because I read it pretty early on. Um, and I texted her and I said, I'm curious as to how you're going to like this one because, um, it's definitely different than a lot of the stuff that we've read. It's, I mean, I saw people say that it's a slow burn, but it is a slow burn. (laughs) It's Um, a 680 page slow burn. (laughs) Yeah. And 680 page where like nothing really happens romantically until like the last 5% of the book. Yeah. It's. Um, well, well, nothing it, happens romantically, but like they don't, I mean, spoiler alert, they don't get intimate till like 97% of Well, and spoiler, I mean, this is just going to be all spoilers. So yeah. just, you know, be, be prepared. But, um, when they get married, first of all, it's a trope we love. We yes. love the fake marriage trope. Yes. Um, so that's a thing. Um, and he was just so awful to her in the beginning. And he's just like this Frankenstein's monster kind of character where he just kind of grunts and, and just like zero personality. And, um, but then after they get married and he starts trying to be civil and friendly and he's just so cute with her. It's like, where was all of this before? (laughs) I liked how he became, you know, because you could see him trying to be kind of more cognizant of when he's being kind of a douchebag to her. Um, because, you know, she calls him out on that um, pretty early on in the book. Basically, when she quits, you know, she calls him out on being being a jerk to her. Um, so then when he's asking her to, like, come back and to then get married um, so that he can retain his green card... Um, you know, she's like, okay, but you got to do this, this, and this. Like, you can't treat me like that anymore. And I will say I really liked that about her. I liked that she, first of all, like, rolled with the punches a lot when he, you know, she didn't really, she kind of let all of his rude behavior to her kind of roll off her back. But then also when it, when their, you know, relationship started to become more personal, like, let him know when he was pissing her off. And I liked that about her. I liked that. Um, well, I like when she married him, she said, okay, I'm not going to be your assistant anymore. I'm not going to, you know, she's, I'm not going to cook for you. I'm not going to clean for you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to be your wife and I'm going to do 
what I want to do. And I especially like that because then when she does those things, you know it's not because she's his assistant. It's because she cares about him and you right. know, she wants to help him. You know, because she does eventually, like, make some meals for him and things like that. But it's always because, like, you're a person I care about. And, and I love, 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 love how protective he gets of her and yeah. how... Um, you know, he just goes off on her family and everybody who's been mean to her. And it's just like, yes, because everybody wants that in their life. They want someone to go and say, I want to beat the snot out of the person that's being mean to you. Especially those, like, people deserved it. Yeah, they were awful. <laughs> her family is awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also really liked, um, you know, the, the slow burn nature of it. I like, and because they kind of have this marriage of convenience, I really liked that as you kind of watch them fall in love like realizing that they're falling in love kind of um, is more a result of watching their lives kind of entwine together. Like that's kind of, I don't know, like the first signs of them falling in love is just kind of how they kind of mesh together in their daily lives. Um, well, yeah. Just how they um, interact like married people kind of, I mean. Yeah. And I thought that was sweet. Um, this one always felt for me, um, more like kind of a slice of life than like some grand adventure. Like if you've seen the movie Boyhood, it felt more like that, where it's just like you're just kind of getting a look into these people's lives rather than this like grand overarching plot, well, which I say yeah, that... Yeah, like some great thing that happens in their life. It's not yeah. a great incident. There's yeah, no, because even them No one getting... tries to kidnap anybody or no one tries to... Yeah, because <laughs> no... even them getting married kind of becomes almost not inconsequential, but because <laughs> obviously uh, it's a part of, it's a big part of the story, but you know, cause that happens and it's like, okay, we're married. So then it's just like them living their lives together. So it all just kind but of But that felt... becomes part of the, that becomes part of the realization of how they feel for each other because they get married in secret and then they don't tell anybody for a long time. Yeah. The small instances where he refers to her as his wife or she says, he's my husband. Mm -hmm. It's like a huge deal. I mean... Yeah. That's like a huge breakthrough for both of them. Like, I love the part. Well, first of all, I love that she flips them off all the time. And I think why that warms my heart is because in our family, <laughs> it's like a sign of, of, of affection. Of, of affection. Yeah. We flip each other off all the time. Yeah. Especially and I really we're very snide to each other a lot. So then we are. We're very sarcastic. I really put up with it for many, many years, getting flipped off without flipping anybody off back because I'm a good girl. But we broke mom down. <laughs> Pretty much given up on being a good girl. Apparently nobody cares. Mom always used to just do kind of like this we can gesture. And, you know, we've uh, converted her to the ways of the strong middle finger, how, how yes. thrilling that can be. They brought me over to the dark side. But yeah. Um, so it's cute when she flips him off, like when he's feeling bad cause he lost the game. And so she just kind of does it as a joke. Yeah. And the one guy sitting there, he says, you can't flip off him. He's a, he's this great player. And she's like, he's my husband. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. And those moments where like he refers to her as his wife and she's like, oh, oh, we're doing this. And, you know, and it does lend to moments where they kind of have to, act like they're a little bit more in love than they have so far admitted so 
that. Right. And show yeah. affection to each other when they never have before. And Yeah. But do you know what I mean? It just felt like, it just felt like kind of more a peek into their everyday life than like some actual, like grand overarching story to me. Um, yes, absolutely. Which I say that as a good thing. It's, I don't, I mean, it's just a different thing. And I like, so I liked it because it did feel different. I did. And I liked, cause it really just focused on their relationship was really the only focus in the whole book. And like by the end of that book, I knew that house that they lived in backwards and forwards. I know. Like, you can picture had, it. It was very good sense of place because like I knew where everything in that house was, at least like the house that I had created for them in my mind. Like I knew the layout of that sucker pretty, pretty good. I liked that he does puzzles because we like to do puzzles. We do like to do puzzles. Um, and we we kind of touched on this previously in conversations with each other. But um, where is Zach's book? We need a book for Zach. Oh, Zach. He I was such a Zach. sweetheart. And I love how he calls her darling all the time. You can just picture yeah. him winking at her. and You're like, oh. But it's also so cute when she goes to the football game and Zach goes with her. And she's wearing Zach's jersey. And so afterwards, he's like, well, you know, uh, Aiden says, why are you wearing his jersey? And she's like, because he gave me one. (laughs) Like, get one, I'll wear it. (laughs) And he did, and she did, and it's so cute. Yeah. Um, And with the slow burn thing, um, it it did take me also a little bit of time to get into it, but I honestly will take a slow burn over um, a they fall in love seemingly for no reason right away. Because that is way worse to me than, than... Well, and we've talked about books where they do that. Where, like, especially when it's this kind of trope where it's a grumpy guy and all of a sudden she's madly in love with him. It's like, why? Why do you love this yeah. guy? He's yeah, a jerk. Exactly. And it's like, oh, but she sees something that we can't see. It's like, well, then show us because I don't get this at all. Yeah. <laughs> but this one you could actually see her falling in love with him and... um and get it and understand why because he yeah. was really trying hard and it took apparently 600 pages to explain <laughs> and then i think also because it's so slow like the slightest thing got me all twitter pated like there's this scene where um they're talking about uh she's he's like hold she's sitting on his lap when they're like with their friends yeah. or something and like just like the slightest movement of his hands it was like oh 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 <laughs> Uh, it was sweet because she yeah. was sore and he was massaging her legs. The two minor things that I want to just address because they were things that kind of bugged me a little bit. If I had to read one more time about how big Aiden was, I was going to like, I just started skimming over at a certain point because I'm like, okay, we get it. He's big. Um, that being said, I would not climb, mind climbing that wall. Because, <laughs> yes, please. Um... And this is not, this is just like a my preference thing, but because, uh, spoiler alert, they get together so close to the end of the book, um, I could have, like, the epilogue was sweet, um, I could, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, uh, like, post-coital bliss, <laughs> not necessarily, like, um, you know, right after the fact, but, um, <laughs> maybe just, like, a little bit more of them talking about, you know... Like, I love, like, my favorite past uh, section of Pride and Prejudice, the book, is um, when they're talking about, like, well, how did you know that when you first loved me? Wait, you've read the book Pride and Prejudice? You know they have, like, six movies of that, right? (laughs) I have read it, and I've read it 
way too many times. <laughs> I've read it too. I'm just joking. But just a little bit more like insight into what he was thinking this whole time would have been um, would have been nice. That was another thing I wanted to bring up is I think this might be the first book I read, certainly the first book I read in a long time where it's only one point of view. Okay, so and Mom, it's only stop right there because my first question is this book is just the heroine, Vanessa's POV. Do you think a book like this could be a dual POV and do you think it could benefit or suffer by having Aiden's POV added? That's so weird that you say that because I was thinking about that exact same thing is, you know, how would it play into the book? Actually, I think the book would have been shorter if we had his POV because I think it took all that time to help us understand, first of all, kind of what a jerk he is in the beginning. Because mm-hmm. if he, if we were hearing his point of view and he was explaining why he was being that way, it would have, um, you know, because he didn't till the very end. I mean, like the very end of the book when she says, why didn't you say anything when I left? Because, spoiler alert, it finds out, it, it points out that she, his manager, wanted to fire her like four times and he wouldn't let yeah. him. And so she said, well, then why didn't you say anything when I quit? And he said, well, I didn't want to, you had your dreams and I didn't want to get in the way of your dreams. Yeah. And um, if we had known all of that before, that wouldn't have been such a sweet moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Like, I think um, I would not have put up with the length of this book if it was dual POV because I just would have, because, st- you know, we would have started seeing from his side that he was feeling it. We would have started seeing from her side that she was feeling it. And so then it just would have been like, okay, you dum-dums, like work this out. But I think because we're just getting her side of things and I think then it kind of puts you more in her position and kind of looking at the relationship like, okay, like what's going on here and kind of makes you think more like that. Whereas I think having his would have complicated that and um, kind of, I think definitely withered my patience with, um, with the book. Well, and there's a lot of things that happen in this book that are surprising to her that if we had his point of view, they wouldn't have been as surprising to us. And I think it would have taken away from the story. Like when he shows up at the um, convention that she goes to, Mm -hmm. that was like so sweet. That was like one of the sweetest parts of the book. And if we had had his point of view where we knew that that was coming or he was thinking of doing something like that, it would have spoiled it for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I land too. I think, and that's kind of why I say, Uh, I would have liked something after they kind of confess to each other how they're feeling. I would have liked some little just section of um, insight into how he was feeling this whole time. Like, was he in love with her when she was his assistant? Like, or was he like headed in that direction and that's why he didn't want to lose her? Or was it just because she was a good assistant? And then, you know, just kind of when he started feeling that way and when he started realizing he felt that way even um Ellen it doesn't make a difference they're in love at the end why Mama. are you <laughs> however and I do love when she's like I love you do you love me and he's like you tell me I think yeah. about you all the time I <laughs> that was a whole cute scene yeah, and it, it would have been ruined if we had two points of view yeah it's true Okay, this was never addressed specifically, but especially in the beginning of this book, 
did you ever feel like Aiden may be slightly on the spectrum or like possibly have Asperger's? <laughs> well, um, it, it was, well, like I said, he was like a Frankenstein's monster. He would just yeah. grunt and groan at her all the time. He would never even acknowledge her. He was, I think he was just kind of douchey and, Maybe that would be explained by he had feelings for her and didn't want to, you know, go there. I don't know. Yeah, that's just because, I don't know, just like his level of focus and um, his kind of like being unaware of like certain social situate in certain social situations and things like that. I don't know. I got the like, I got the like, I mean, it's a spectrum. So I got like the slightly on the spectrum. (laughs) Um, vibe from him. I don't know if that was intentional or well, not. Well, because even at the end in the epilogue, when he comes into the family room and, and um, she's there with, you know, it's the epilogue, so they're children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just doesn't, he's just not even, everybody's cheering and excited and happy and he's just oblivious to all of that and just goes straight to them and yeah. and he's just got, he's very focused on well and he's very focused on his career through most of the book but then i like i like then in the end where you know he's talking about like i realized that you can have more than one priority or something he says something like that i can't remember what it was exactly you know then he's able to kind of divide his priorities a little bit i don't know i just i thought it was um uh kind of an interesting character choice if that was the case if not then it's just an interesting personality, I guess, that that kind of focus and, um, you know, attention to or non-awareness of what's going on around you. Okay, and then let's just briefly touch on the length, uh, which we've kind of already talked about. But in the end, how did you feel about it? Like, was it justified? Um, was it worth it, I guess? Well, I still think there's some, I, I think there were some details that were added that could have not been added. Um, by the end, I was like, okay with it. Because like I said, towards the end, I was like, I was just eating it up. So, but it did take me a long time to get into it. So I think it's a 680 page book that could have been maybe 500 pages. I think there's some stuff that could have been cut out. Yeah. I, um, the beginning took, I mean, we both kind of talked about this, but the beginning took a while for me to get into it. And, um, I felt like I felt like it was when they kind of, the like whole wedding idea started taking root, um, that I was getting more interested and I felt like maybe some of that beginning could have been cut down a little bit, but I didn't feel like time not well spent. Like I still enjoyed it and, um, you know, I think if nothing else, it helped to kind of help us get to know these characters a little bit more. Well, the... The one part where they spent a lot of time is after she left him and then started her own job, there was kind of a lot of time spent on her just living by herself yeah, and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, at the time I thought, really, do we need all this? However, then as I got further into it, it kind of did a good job of showing she really kind of had a lonely life. I mean, she, and then she went from that to moving in with Aiden and Zach, Zach, and um, because I like Zach's character because if Zach hadn't been there, she would have just still been lonely because Aiden didn't talk yeah, a lot in the true. beginning. <laughs> and um, and that's then especially yeah, and then especially since Zach, you know, lost his job, 
so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so then they were kind of hanging out together yeah. during the day and everything. The whole thing kind of enriched her life a lot more. And I think showing us how kind of desolate her life was before, even though she was doing this thing that she didn't want really want to do in the beginning, it really made her life a better situation. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I should also say this was a sports romance where we didn't need to know much about football, which is handy for us because we don't. Um, well, I know that the it's not called the NFO. I know it's called the NFL. <laughs> yes. We've got that. <laughs> We have Yay, basic and, I, and I know the team knowledge. names were not real teams, so yeah. yes. <laughs> I'm not that illiterate. Uh, <laughs> okay, so those are our thoughts on The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata. Thanks for listening to this uh, discussion. You can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, and we would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Goodreads group, or Twitter, which is Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. Next time, we are going to discuss Wild in Love by Eloise James. Uh, It is the first book in her new Georgian era set series. For now, we're going to take a little mailbag break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about alpha heroes versus beta heroes, so stay with us. Welcome to our mailbag segment. Um, I need to come up with some sort of intro for this. I'll just do, like, my AOL impression. You've got mail. Does that work? (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) I'll I'll just, like, do some tinny canned voice where you got mail. Um, Anyway... We continue to get some very nice messages, and I have a couple that I want to address today. Um, The first is from Teresa uh, to our email address, notyourmomsromancebookclub at gmail.com. She says, Ellen and Mom, just wanted to drop you a note and let you know how much I love your podcast. You both are both hilarious. I feel like we are best of friends. Um, I just started reading Penny Reed based solely on your last podcast, Love. Looking forward to your next episode, Teresa. Um, So I did not read this to toot our own horn, but thank you so much, Teresa. But to address something, and that is the part where she says we are both hilarious. First, thank you. Yes, we think so too. Um, (laughs) Sometimes we fear that we think we are too hilarious. Uh, Mom has a bit of a reputation in our family for uh, laughing at her own jokes harder than anybody else will laugh at her jokes. Um, and well, I t- think I'm funnier than anybody else does. Yeah, so. she does. She thinks she's hilarious. Um, <laughs> the sad thing is, you know how everybody says, like, you eventually become your parents. I catch myself laughing at my own jokes really hard, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm my mother. Um, that is like... There are worse things to be, my friend. <laughs> I mean, at least we're always amused by ourselves, right? So um, you can never have a bad time because we're always hilarious. Well, um, and often we get done recording the podcast and I always say, Ellen, did I laugh way too much? I feel like I was laughing the entire time. Did I laugh too much? Yeah. So you guys can let us know if we're ever laughing too much. I'll try and edit that down a little bit more. Um, but we're just uh, a laughy family by nature. Um, so we apologize, but also it, it's probably not going to change. So I'm sorry. So I mainly read Teresa's message to, uh, help us feel better about that. Yay. Uh, <laughs> yay. Um, 
But yeah, we do laugh way too hard at our own jokes. It's kind of embarrassing. Our next message came to our Facebook page from Jennifer. I'm going to read some snippets from it. Um, She says, hey there, I just discovered your podcast and I had to start with Beard Science because I love Penny Reed. We picked up a lot of listeners uh, with the Penny Reed book. So thank you so much for all the love. Um, Beard Science is one of the only books I've read ever read twice. Uh, I've read it too many times, but it's the only book I've read back to back in a row. Um, I had to spend a day in the hospital for observation and took Cletus along with me to keep me company. I read Beard Science first, then went back and read the first two. I've also read the Bo and Shelley's book, but I must say Cletus is definitely the best of the bunch. I agree. Um, although it's never brought up, I think Cletus may be a little on the autism spectrum, which is kind of funny because we were just talking about that with Well of Winnipeg. And she says his order, his need for order and detail left me with that vibe. Um, I kind of agree. I feel like I've touched on this briefly before, but I also kind of got that vibe from Cletus sometimes. Well, you brought it up when I was reading the McKinsey book. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Because he's he's the madness of the madness of Lord Ian McKenzie by Jennifer Ashley. Uh, Because we talked about how he was on the spectrum. And then you brought up. That's the first time you brought it up to me, beard science, and that you thought that he was on the spectrum. Yeah. So I would say yeah. yes, but yeah. And he's just kind of quirky. He's kind of socially quirky, but he's yeah, so for sweet. sure. I love him. And kind of like his whole um, thing where he like won't look somebody in the eye because he like first wants to get a feel for them as a person before he does that. Um, I don't know. All that kind of seems slight, slightly on the spectrum to me. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with that, because obviously we love Cletus so much. Yeah, we love Cletus. Um, She goes on to share some recommendations, and I just wanted to use Jennifer's message to let you all know how much I appreciate the tweets and emails and such with recommendations. I may not read them all on the show, but I am definitely making a list of all these things that you guys are recommending, because... Um, sometimes I struggle for what we should read next, especially for like good contemporary recommendations. Um, try to keep them not super smutty in the contemporary section. No, make them really dirty. So Alan has to talk to me about it. (laughs) No, it makes me feel so awkward. And then, uh, Jennifer went on to say, I may buzz you back after listening to the Lord of Scoundrels podcast, which was our last week episode, since I have definite feelings on that one. A couple of years ago, I tried knocking off as many of the NPR's top 100 romance novels, and that one was on the top. So I've taken a look at this list before, this NP- this NPR top 100 that she talks about, and I would love to know how other romance readers feel about it and if it is a worthy list to you or not. Um, I love that certain books made that list, but also wonder if it is the most representative of the genre. I thought especially their contemporary selections were a bit wanting and not necessarily representative of the whole contemporary genre because it's just so expansive. Um, Let me know what you think of that or if there are other lists out there that you prefer. And thanks so much for the message, Jennifer. I think, too, there's a big difference between contemporaries that were written like in the 70s and contemporaries that were written. Yeah, because, well, there's a bunch that are on there that are like from the 90s and I've gone back and read them and I'm like, this does not, I feel like, hold up as well as people might be thinking. Um Anyway, that's just my personal opinion. Um, But if you guys have lists out there that you think are uh, a better representation of the genre, I'd love to know. Um, 
But that does it for our mailbag segment. Thanks again so much for the messages. Keep them coming, and we'll try and address them either um, through email or I'll read them on the show, and we can talk about them. Uh, So thanks, and we'll talk to you next time. And we're back to talk about alpha heroes versus beta heroes. Um, I realize that our romance heroes can be broken down a bit more than this, but most of them can fall into the categories of either alpha or beta, and it's pretty common terminology within the romance community. Um, An alpha is kind of brooding, possessive, domineering. They wear their emotions more on their sleeves, uh, whether that's anger or love for the heroine or something else. Um, Some good examples of an alpha are Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights, Christian Grey from Fifty Shades of Grey, and most other billionaire playboys that we see in a lot of uh, our contemporaries today, or in the historicals. Um, It's funny that you put Heathcliff and Grey together as, like, those are the same kind of characters. What do you do? Um, Betas are more kind of the guy next door, mild-mannered, not driven to, like, jealous outbursts, and they have their stuff a little bit more together and little bit more comfortable in their own skin. Some good examples of betas are Colin Bridgerton from Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, Mr. Tilney from Northanger Abbey, Peta from Hunger Games, and I think Cletus from Beard Science would qualify as a beta. Um, so mom, kind of where do you land on the like alpha versus beta? Well, what would you consider Aiden Graves? What would he be? An alpha? An alpha. I think. Uh... Yeah, that's the thing. It's like there, and I think that the progress of a romance novel is alphas become a little more beta, and betas get the opportunity to have moments of alpha, and that's, um, I think, kind of how they operate within the romance genre. Personally, from my observations, I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this and be like, no, she's got it all wrong. Um, but she's an idiot. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. Which is probably, should I keep going? Yeah. (laughs) Stop with you. Um, (laughs) but yeah. So where do you kind of land? Do you have one that you prefer reading more than others? Um, I don't know that I prefer one over the other Mm -hmm. as long as they're well-written. Yeah, that's there have like I've mentioned, there's some that I've read that are definitely alphas that I've thought, why does this girl love this guy? Like they'll have these sweet little girls that fall in love with these guys, and it's like I can't even figure out why you even like him because he's definitely a douchebag, and you can't seem to you know get over that, yeah. and yet you're in love with him. So I would say that I don't prefer one over the other as long as it's well written. Yeah, because. There have been alphas that I've loved, and there have been uh, betas that I've loved. I love Colin Bridgerton, so I would say that that's... Yeah. I love... Um, the one we just read, what was the book? The um, one we read Scandals. last... Yeah. He was a uh, beta. I mean, an alpha. Alpha, yeah. I was going to say. He was, and, um, he but no he beta. became more beta-y as yes. the story went on. Yes. And so... I would have to say, though, that I don't like them very much when they're super alpha-y. I like it better when there's a little beta in there. I love kind of those more, um, because I'm like a sucker for those scenes where, like we talked about with uh, Wall of Winnipeg, where 
they get to be like protective and maybe like show slightly jealous streak because I'm like, oh, um, and that gets me all like flustered. I think, okay, so I think where I land is I enjoy reading both, but I think I enjoy reading about alphas more than like I would actually want one. So I inevitably want to end up with a beta so I think most of my favorite heroes are betas and mom could probably tell that by my list of beta examples because they're like my favorites um because I love Colin Bridgerton Mr. Tilney is my dream man I love him (laughs) and so I think like I like the reality more of a beta with streaks of alpha because I like that too um and I would say that that describes your father and I like him pretty good yeah, I guess so. But then that He's gets beta into weird with Oedipal. Of alpha. Oh, sh- no, shut up. I get-, <laughs> I get to talk about your dad. <laughs> but I would say, so I would say in life, I fell for a beta with streaks of alpha. So that's yeah. probably what I like. Because he can't be quick to anger, as we, as we know. Um not quick yeah, not, not as much as it used to be. That's <laughs> Something about you kids growing up and leaving the house that's really calmed him down. <laughs> I can't imagine what you're referring to. Um, and maybe that's why I, that's also what I like is because, you know, the whole Oedipal complex is probably a little true. My dad was in the military. I have a thing for men in uniform. We'll move past it. Anyway, but I say that's just because... I grew up on military bases and was surrounded by men in, in uniform. And not Word. necessarily just because my dad was in uniform. Is that fair? Yeah. I wish now we had all the handsome, strapping, young, single military guys hanging around our house like we did back then. I, I could get you a guy, Ellen. Thanks, Mom. Um, <laughs> but and... it's, it's like when, we, when I first got married and your dad would wear Old Spice and my dad used to wear Old Spice and I'd have to say, Honey, I just, it's not sexy for me to have you wearing Old Spice. It just ruins it for me. <laughs> because that's what grandpa You can't smell with. like my dad. It's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Anyway, we're off topic. <laughs> Alphas versus betas. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's just kind of where I land. Like, I like a mix of both in the at the end of the day. But a guy who can, like, be a little more chill and... Um, roll with the punches is more like my actual type so that's what I tend to like those are the heroes that tend to like resonate with me more I think but I still enjoy reading the like super crazy alphas as well but even like your love the love of your life Mr. Tilney he there were times I wanted him to show some backbone that he didn't sorry I hate I hate to burst your bubble how dare you? But yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I think he should have stood up to his dad at some point in time, and that, you know, he I guess does he at did. The end. He does at the end, but he should have done it before she got thrown out of the house. By the way, anyway, I'm just, uh, since we're going off on tangents with this subject, Northanger Abbey is the book by Jane Austen that I feel like gets the shortest shrift out of all of her works, and I love that book. And so if you haven't read it, I encourage you to go give it, go give it a read and see if you don't also check out the adaptation with JJ Field because I love him more than life itself. Actually, not that much, but I do love him a lot. Um, So check that out. Especially now that she's becoming such a big star. Yeah. Felicity Jones. I know. It's crazy. 
Okay, I think that's kind of, is that what we wanted to say about alphas versus betas that I told you we were doing right before That's what we wanted to say. Started. That's exactly what I wanted to say about alphas versus betas. Okay, awesome. All right, thanks so much for joining us. Again, if you would like to join us for Wild in Love in two weeks, you can find us on Twitter at your, that, not your mom's rope. Oh my gosh. On, you can find us on Twitter at NotYourMom'sRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMom'sRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. These are all very lengthy, wordy things that I have to say about. Um, so thanks so much for joining us, uh, and we will see you next time. Bye.